Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Stuck in the Middle Podcast. I am your host, Uncle AK. Uh, this platform is for entrepreneurs, innovators, and creatives of African descent. Hear stories, advice, experiences, and ideas on breaking barriers. This episode is brought to you by our online store. Go visit sitmpodcast.com to shop, to shop SITM Podcast merch. Thank you to all returning and new listeners. If you're new to the channel, hey man, hit that. Where is it? Somewhere down here. <laughs> hit that subscribe button. <laughs> you know, just doesn't cost you anything, man. Just hit it. She is a speaker, transformational coach, and chief encouragement officer and founder <laughs> and founder of the Pivot Consulting Group. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Dr. Margaret Alabi. To hey. How are you doing? I'm well, Uncle Leke. How are you? I am wonderful. Did I say your last name right? You did. I, I, you're African, I be. <laughs> what does that I'm mean? Okay. <laughs> what does your last name mean? Say it again. What does your last name mean? Oh my God, he's putting me on the spot. Please, oh, you're about people. Do not come for my life. I don't know. It's actually so. That last name is has a very interesting um, history. Mm-hmm. It is a very common last name in Nigeria. It's also a very common last name in Ghana. So I've had Ghanaian people ask me if I'm from Ghana because they've seen my last name. So honestly, I don't know um, what it means. I, I, I failed that part of my uh, Africanism. You're by class. So no, it's okay. Don't worry. Forgive you. In the comments. Forgive you. <laughs> don't worry. You forgive it. <laughs> yeah, <it's a> <laughs> Uh, no, I wanted to start here like this, right? Uh, you hear CEOs, you think chief executive officer, yeah. but you say chief encouragement officer. How did you arrive at that? And what is, why, why replace ex- executive with encouragement? You know what? Encouragement is something that comes naturally to me. Um, in, in, in my experience, the moment that I personally begin to feel like I have arrived. It just doesn't, it no longer works, right? So uh, my sole purpose in life is to help for uh, help people really experience more freedom, more abundance and choice, right? And I can't do that if um, I'm sticking myself into this executive box because then that means that I have to act or you know portray a certain way. As an encouragement offer, officer, Encouragement can take on a number of, you know, looks, feels, et cetera. So I can still help you get to where you want to go using the power of encouragement. Who is Dr. Margaret Alabi? Who is Dr. Margaret? Dr. Margaret Alabi is the firstborn of three here uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, born and raised. Um, I'm... I'm a silly person. I think a lot of times people see me in real life and I I don't know if there's just like this idea that I'm ultra serious. I can be, but I am like the biggest goofball in the world. I may not talk much because I've also learned that um, it's important to be curious about people. So um, that is what allows me to truly operate in my personal mission of, you know, really bringing that freedom, abundance and choice. Right. So I can't know where to be of service to you if I'm not listening. Right. Um, but as soon as that ice is broken, you find out that we the same people. <laughs> 
that's so true because it's like you have to scan the room right as people say scan the room you know you kind of get a feel of people you know i mean i mean there's some people who are not expressive as much so why just you know running their ears you know with so much information so kind of get that yeah oh i'm ultra expressive so that's like the other thing too is like (laughs) i'm here what you i'm a a what you see is what you get kind of person real simple hey there are people like that and there are people like Hey, uh, what you see, you have to see again <laughs> to make sure that <laughs> both of a match. But, <laughs> but well, now, yeah. um, uh, I want you to, to give us a brief um, background leading to um, the Pivot Consulting Group, which is yeah. where you know you transform people from. No more. We'll get into it. But just give a little background about your education, childhood, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll start with childhood because that's the fun part, right? So, um, first of all, let me say, I have been pivoting my entire life. And when I really sit down to think about it, I realize that, you know, sheesh, this is part and parcel of who I am, which is why it comes naturally to me. I'm a person that loves change. And my childhood had a lot of change in it that prepared me for everything that I've experienced up until this point. So uh, born and raised, like I said, in Atlanta, Georgia, Um, oldest of three, I've got a brother and a sister in that order. My sister and I are 10 years apart. And um, as I was heading off to school, she was barely in um, elementary school at that point, right? So it, it was quite interesting. I started school a year early and I had the opportunity to be skipped However, my parents were not interested in me moving that fast. They were like, she's good right where she's at. (laughs) And so um, I started off in a private school and uh, switched to a public school once my family moved from the outside of the perimeter. And folks who are from Atlanta know what that means (laughs) inside the perimeter. So we're Metro Atlanta. And that changed my entire outlook on life. I went from being a super minority in an all white environment at this private school to a different kind of minority. What do I mean by that? I was one of maybe three Africans in the entire grade, uh, surrounded by black people. My name is Margaret. I talk how I talk. So you can only imagine, you know, what kind of attention that I wasn't excited about, uh, that I got, right? So got into my first fight upon switching from a private school to a public school because I had to quickly learn how to defend myself. I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not a trash talker. Although when I talk the trash, it hurts. It's, it's long lasting. (laughs) But in, in, in the moment, I'm not quick with a quibble. We're not going to go back and forth. It just, my brain is not firing that quickly. So I had to learn other ways to defend myself. Um, Not because that was the only option. Of course, you know, we, we meaning my mother and I alerted, you know, school administration that I was being bullied and teased for my name, where I come from, et cetera, et cetera. Um, until I just had to learn how to stand up for myself. So that was perhaps my first pivot, right? Is, well, how do you stand up for yourself? Um, what are your options? Probably not the best options 
that I could have uh, exercised, but that was what was available to me at that time. Right. And I used it not once, but twice. I got into two fights. My second fight, um, I, I was facing juvenile. I was sent to juvenile court and yeah, it wasn't pretty. So there came my second pivot where I had to say, okay, cannot use these hands anymore, right? I've got to figure out a different way to um, deal with conflict. And I'll be frank, it took a long time to understand what that looked like in terms of um, not being a coward, but still being able to stand up for myself without having to use my hands. Right. And um, that as I transitioned into high school, I was still with the same group of people that had seen the first and second fight. And it was just consistent, you know, there was a lot coming at me as uh, as a student um, in this environment. So my third pivot came in the ninth grade when I said, look, this environment is not serving me. Um, Mama and Papa said, I must come with straight A's. I have to, you know, graduate top of the class. I can't do that with all these distractions. So I, um, I started to research what options existed to allow me to focus, right? What environment in this public school system could I take advantage of um, and still meet my, well, the goals that were predefined for me. And y'all know what the goals are. Yeah. Doctor, lawyer. Engineer. Period. Okay, holy trinity. <laughs> All right. So um, I applied for a magnet program. I got accepted to the magnet program and swoosh, I was picked up out of that environment into a, an environment that was, I'd say, more conducive to what I knew I, I was tasked with doing. You know, as a firstborn, there are no mistakes. You cannot talk. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. The people behind you are looking at you. Are they really? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But hey, that's what, you know, that's the story uh, that we're fed. So um, got got to this, you know, magnet program and, and really began to develop like just a, a better sense of self. Um, I, I began to play with this, this idea of what success looked like for me, right? So I've always been an inquisitive person. And um, of course I'm like, I wanna go, well, the idea was planted that I wanted to go to uh, an Ivy League school upon graduating from high school. So I was like, okay, how do I, you know, what, do, what kind of student do I need to be in order to get into these schools? And so a lot of the articles I read at that time talked about people being well-rounded so I decided to get into gymnastics. I decided to get into volleyball. I ran track. And I don't know about your experience, but my parents were not here for the sports, okay? They were like... <laughs> <laughs> Mine didn't really care. Like, they really didn't yeah, care. Okay, so yeah, my, my, I literally, and we can laugh at this today, so daddy, don't be offended, but he would be like, can you just face your books, please. He's like, you're not, he's like, you're not going to play. You're not going to play these sports in college. Why are you wasting your time? Please just go and study. And it's like, straight up. Okay. It's like, dude, can I have a life? Like I need a life. I'm a human. So, <laughs> it's not I, it. 
yeah, like that, that part of it um, doesn't always translate well um, for our parents, but I still insisted on doing what I knew I needed to do, right? So again, I'd already made those pivots, self-led pivots. Mm-hmm. I assessed the situation, was like, mm, solution, bam, let's implement the solution. So that's kind of how I've lived my entire life. Graduated, um, got an interview with an Ivy League, did not make the SAT score to get my full ride to the Ivy League and ended up at an HBCU, which was perhaps the best thing that had ever happened to me. Um, I graduated from Xavier University of Louisiana. Shout out to XULA. Oh, shut up. Uh, and um, that's where I, I did undergrad as well as pharmacy school. And wow, talk about self-discovery and some additional pivots. Again, I got there with the, you know, the blinders on. Mm-hmm. Did you not? My dad did not. He dropped me off. My mom walked me up to my dorm, got me settled on it. My daddy never left the car. When my mom and I came back downstairs after getting my stuff settled, he left me with three words. Don't embarrass us. <laughs> okay. So, you know, all through my freshman year, those are the only three words that I ever remember. And so that's how I operated. That's how I guided myself. That's how I, um, th- those, those three words highly informed my actions, what I did and did not do. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, the summer before I was supposed to go to, or the, the summer, um, oh no, 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 not the summer. My sophomore year, Hurricane Katrina hits. Major life pivot, right? Because I'm at a school I loved that I didn't initially think I was going to like because of my previous experiences being a African in an all black, you know, situation. But I ended up loving it. I met so many other Africans and then black people that were like, oh, being African is cool. I want to learn about your culture. So it just kind of, you know, that experience really shifted um, my life. So here I am, got down to Xavier. I'm a peer dean and bam, Hurricane Katrina hits, sends me back home to Atlanta for a semester. And I thought I was going to die. Like, oh my God, I'm back at home. I'm under this roof with the eyes. If anybody watches um, The Handmaid Tale, yeah. The eyes, the the yeah. <laughs> like, saying I go keep eyes to kill, you know. Yes, yes, yes. Like I could literally get sent to the wall and be hanging just for, you know, not moving quickly enough on a task. So it was a pretty stressful time, but nonetheless got back to Xavier uh, in 2006 and completed a year and a semester's worth of work in one full year. So a little known fact about me is that I actually had to take remedial math. With all the smarts that I had, math was just always a challenge because it required practice. Mm. And I'm a visual and auditory learner. If my professor is really good, I could literally spit back every single word verbatim that is said in a lecture. So I'm good. But anything that required me to like go to a book and actually practice, Math had always been my downfall. So um, 
after surviving Katrina, getting through that that post Katrina school year, had one class necessary for entry into pharmacy school. I came home to Atlanta that summer, took the class, turned it in, got back to Xavier. They denied that class and um, they didn't want to take that credit. And my life had to pivot again. Um, if you like the amount of embarrassment is hard to put into words, right? Mm -hmm. I started with a class that was matriculating into pharmacy school. I was supposed to be a part of that and I wasn't able to do that. I didn't find out that um, they didn't accept my credit until the first day of school where I went to pharmacy. I went into the pharmacy building looking for my classes on the board and couldn't find my name. It was like, what? And so I'm like, okay, well, damn, how am I going to tell Patrick and Celia that I'm not starting pharmacy school? <laughs> and then what am I going to do for a whole, you know, like, what am I going to do for a whole year? Because it's not like they let you start pharmacy school in semesters. You literally had to wait till the next year to go in. I went to talk to the counselor um, and this, this wonderful woman who I know meant well was like, you can just, just take a year off of school. You've got great grades, take a year off of school. And you know, today, I probably would have listened to that woman today. Why is that? Knowing what I know about life stressors, I would have given myself the opportunity to literally exist without impending doom, pressure, this, that, the third, right? All those things that mounted up. So I, I kindly looked at the woman and said, you don't know who my parents are and that's not an option. So I'll be taking a full load of classes <laughs> for this year, please and thank you. So I, I did an additional year, got into pharmacy school and I was like, I can't be a pharmacist. And the only I, I decided to go to pharmacy school was because my mom said I should go. Mm -hmm. I'm a good mm -hmm. African girl. Yep. I follow instructions. I'm a first floor. <laughs> okay. I understood the assignment and your girl passed. Okay. Like period. <laughs> the assignment, deliver. Thank you. So I mean, that's what I did now. So I got into the school and I'm just like, this is not the move. I'm too cool. No shade to pharmacists. Pharmacists are super cool. Me behind the counter, too cool. Okay. I got too much energy to be behind the counter. Like there's only amount, there's only a certain amount of faking it behind the counter that I could really stomach. Mm -hmm. And um, so I immediately started to identify what else I could do with my farm D. So what that's pivot number five, right? Where I'm like, okay, definitely not working behind anybody. I'm not touching drug. I'm not me dispensing count. No, not doing that. Um, so I identified a program called Rutgers uh, post. Oh God, what is it now? RPF. They're going to kill me if they see this. <laughs> the Rutgers pharmaceutical industry fellowship program. Right. And, um, I really began to do, again, I, I, I've been pretty self-aware from a young age, right? Knowing and understanding who I am. Mm -hmm. 
still understanding how to give my parents what they were looking for while still ensuring that I still got a little bit of what I wanted. That's what what being stuck in the middle is about. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, so it's like, okay, I can give you what you want. I also need to make sure I'm getting what I need out of this entire process. So um, I did the postdoc, I got the postdoctoral fellowship um, and wow, I went from being a very confident, creative, I don't, I mean, so many words to describe just the the level of energy that I brought to that fellowship program that literally got sucked out of me because I was the only person of color with an advanced degree in that department. I don't think they'd ever really worked with black people that weren't working for them, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So you've got this person that can go toe to toe with you. And it's like, well, we don't know what to do with her. Um, And I experienced a number of situations that really shaped my life for a good five years post um, completing that program. And um, while I was in that program, had another mental pivot. I was just feeling so beat down and um, downtrodden. I even told my dad, I remember there was one day where I told my dad, like, look dad, I'm just gonna quit. You know, like it's, I gotta leave this thing alone. You know what the typical African response was. You know what it was. Yep. You you can't you can't do that. Yep. Are you crazy? Why would you why would you do on that? On whose house? On whose roof? Right. Who's gonna who's gonna, you know, how are you gonna make a living? How are you gonna do this? How are you gonna do that? No, you can't quit. So I found myself even that much more defeated because my support system one was super far away from me. This program um, and the career that I had started took place in New Jersey. So the cost of getting, you know, a flight down to Atlanta on a fellow salary, honey, I can only see them on the holidays. So it's not like there, you know, phone calls can only do so much. FaceTime can only do so much. Sometimes you really need a hug, you know, from your loved ones. You just need some, you know, you need to feel um, things. And I did not have that for quite some time. Now I had, you know, um, cause if anybody from Jersey that knows me, I love my family. I found an adopted family. I always get adopted in whatever city or state I live in. So I had great adoptive family, but nothing it compares to, um, your, your blood family. If you and your blood family have strong ties and my blood family and I have very strong ties. So it was tough, but, um, did another pivot and I literally I remember I was sitting at my desk one day and I heard an audible voice ask me who I was trying to impress and I was like nah, that's you. <laughs> and um when I answered the question the answer to the question sounded so ridiculous that it slapped me out of my stupor it slapped me out of my depression and then I got some holy anger Right. And so the way that I started to go about doing the work that I was um, tasked with doing completely changed. 
it changed so like I was coming for everybody's job so much so that the North American president of that pharma entity saw me and gave me my first full-time job post my fellowship mm. oh great I had you know I am that success right I had achieved success however I was still angry and I was still bitter about how I was treated um, by the people that I was working with and by the fact that my parents didn't understand money doesn't equal happiness, right? Like there's no amount of money that can cover the pain that people feel internally. You're just never going to be able to enjoy that, that success because there's an internal discord. So I carried that for quite some time, then got the opportunity to move back home to Atlanta. I, by this time I switched to a, a different role, different company, moved back to Atlanta in 2016 and another pivot happened. And I get back home to Atlanta and Atlanta doesn't look the same. It's not the same place that I grew up in. Mm. Um, the people are different. The ideals are different. And I came home expecting certain things to be the same, even though I knew I wasn't the same. So I had to make a decision. Am I going to try to force a square into a round hole? Or am I going to allow myself to explore these changes and understand how perhaps even changing my, you know, changing internally my thoughts, my attitudes about things could potentially improve my life. And that's what I did. And that um, helped me get to the Pivot Consulting Group, which was founded in 2017. And uh, when we started off, we were strictly focused on helping people get past the interview, right? Like a Job lot of people- interview, Stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't know how to tell their story. And I'm really, really good at helping people identify the best parts of their story mm -hmm. to share in interviews, right? Um, and knowing and understanding how to shape that story and tell it in like three, four, five different ways for every round of the interview that you go through. Mm. When you say we, who do you, who, who is we? Me and my brother, great question. So yeah, my brother came to me, he graduated and he was like, look, my school is not offering interview skills. You help me with my interview. I got the job. I think you should do this as a business. And I was like, well, let's do it together, right? Because I'm all about, I'm huge on family. So I was like, let's do it together. Um, needless to say, my brother and I are best as brother and sister. Mm. And <laughs> he does him, I do me now. But we started off doing that together. And then by 2018, I realized it's great to help people get a job will those people thrive on the job? And that's a, that's wildly different from passing the interview. There are so many firsts in families of people of color that when you are um, faced with or you encounter certain situations, the understanding of how to deal with those things 
from your family members is really limited because they've never had to face it. So the advice that they offer you sometimes doesn't always do the job and or it offers a band-aid, but you, you probably need a whole reconstructive surgery, yeah. right? To, right? to fix the situation. So um, I decided to transition from just doing career coaching to really dealing with people's full mindset because the corporate atmosphere um, requires a level of mental agility that allows the individual to still show up as themselves. And what I find is that a lot of people of color don't show, like they're afraid to show up as work as their true self. Mm, so, so, mm-hmm. so with that said, then how can people then adopt that pivoting mindset? Great question. The pivoting mindset or the pivot mindset is really um, based on having a growth mindset, being aware that there are more than two or three options as it relates to how you can handle a situation or how you can choose to appear. But first and foremost, it's about accepting yourself. In order to make a pivot, you've got to accept yourself because accepting yourself means that you can now trust yourself. In trusting yourself, you know that you're making the best decision in the moment for you that will serve your purpose as well as help other people win too. So a lot of us haven't gotten to the place of self-acceptance. We try to hide things, explain things away, blame people for why things are the way or why we are the way that we are. And so when it now comes time to make a decision, we don't trust ourselves. Mm. So that's where you come in. That is exactly. <laughs> that's where yes. you come in. Oh, can you tell us how you coach people, I guess, and when people are stuck in that lane? Absolutely. So, I, you know, first and foremost, my, my personal belief is that we all have the answers that we need to address our situations. So as a coach, my job is not to tell you what to do. That's counterproductive. So what are you there for? (laughs) My job is to get curious about what you already know. And it's in asking you these questions that you come up with a solution that you're going to do. Anybody can tell you to do something. Shame we are here talking about our parents that have asked us to do things that we begrudgingly did Mm -hmm. and or that we resent and or that we chose, you know what? forget it. Like this doesn't even work for me. It's completely different. When you come up with your own solution, you make your own resolve and you have a coach like me there to hold you accountable to doing what you said you was going to do and to doing what you said you want to do, not what someone has told you to do. We lived our lives, you know, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going, I'm kind of curious now, what's the difference between an accountability partner and, and a coach, right? A transformational coach at that. Like, yeah. is, is so, it the same different? Yeah, there's definitely a difference, right? So your accountability partner is just someone that you're saying, hey, look, I want to get this done. Can you check in with me? They may ask, how's it going? There is no real incentive 
to continuously check in on you. Mm -hmm. Whereas a transformational coach is going to challenge you, is going to address your mindset blocks. So, you know, there's limiting beliefs that we have. Sometimes we make assumptions about how um, a certain goal should be achieved. So a coach actually helps you to eliminate and, you know, move those barriers out of the way. Your accountability partner could potentially do that, but what is the, you know, what is the incentive there for them? Right. You just ask them to, you're just telling them, Hey, I want to get this done. And they're like, okay, cool. I'll make, you know, I can work with you to get it done. Right. <laughs> Does everyone need a coach? I think everyone needs a coach. I have a coach. Every coach should have a coach. Yeah, was, oh, coach. who coaches a coach? <laughs> Other coaches coach coaches. We all look, everyone, you know, anyone who is committed to growing, it doesn't matter where, whether you're an entrepreneur, someone in corporate, in your community, whatever, anyone who is committed to growing requires a coach. They require someone to challenge their mindset at every level because it's easy for us to get comfortable and set mm -hmm. in our ways. Like for me, right? I had developed a set of habits that helped me to lose 20 pounds. I feel good, look good. And now those habits, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to another level. Those habits are no longer serving me without my coach asking me some really targeted um, and powerful questions. I would not have come to the realization that, hey, new level, new stuff needs to happen that, that like that doesn't even excite it doesn't motivate you anymore so now you gotta you, you're in a new place how do you operate in this new place right that's what um that coach helps you to uncover for yourself why is um change scary and when is change really needed you know Ooh, change is scary because it's unknown hmm it's unknown. You can't control it. You done got to a place where you know, I know if I turn to the left or to the right, this is what I can expect. People like to know what they can expect. That's another, uh, so funny, as I was saying that, um, used to be that pharmacists were some of the most respected um, professionals mm -hmm. that existed because we tell you what to expect. You come to the counter, you get your drugs, Uncle Leke, when you take this, here's what you can expect. If you experience it, call me or call your physician to make sure that this is handled. Yep. They tell you what to expect so you feel comfortable. You're like, great, I know what's coming my way. I know what could happen. With change, you don't know. So the unknown is naturally scary. So if the unknown is scary, and what is known, if you keep doing it over and over, you're just stuck in that straight, in just that straight lane. So what does one do? Yeah, this is again where the coach comes in, right? Because here is where we get to start talking about, you know, what is your internal voice telling you that this change is going to um, put you through, right? So I like to um say and i say it to friends and clients alike right mm -hmm. we all have 
a negative soundtrack that's playing in our head. Some of us got the volume on that thing turned all the way up. Others have learned to, to put a new tape in. And forgive me if you, you're probably hearing my puppies in the background. <laughs> oh my God, they're going in right now. Um, so yeah, some of us have, have learned how to change the track. Others have not, right? Mm -hmm. So when you are doing the same thing over and over again, knowing that you're not going to get a different result, but you know what result you're going to get, that's comfortable. And that negative soundtrack is telling you, hey, at least you're safe. You're safe because you know what to expect. Now, it is the, okay, well, what can really happen? What is this negative soundtrack telling you is going to happen to you once you make this change? How true is that? Yeah. What evidence do you have that that's going to be the case? Okay, great. No evidence. Cool. Now, what do you want to happen? And let me tell you something, brother. We all know what we don't want. Many of us cannot mm -hmm. articulate what we truly want. And this, again, is where a coach comes in and helps you to identify that and define that. And allows you the space, holds the space for you to define that your way, not your parents' way, your cousin or your community or, you know, the profession that you live in, but for you. And there's nothing more powerful than that. Nothing more powerful than that. Mm. Just briefly uh, unpack this for me real quick, because you mentioned that nine out of 10 people are surviving not thriving yeah so they're surviving they're suffering and <laughs> smiling as uncle fella said in his song that song is so real like oh my god the song is 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 beyond real okay sorry the mommy of the puppies is here and move the microphone because she's gonna start breathing in front of the microphone <laughs> she's like all in my face um when you are not allowed to be your full self when you are constantly having to pack and tuck parts of yourself away or when you're having to put your creativity on mute because your creativity may be um labeled as a stereotype you're surviving you're in survival mode because you're constantly on the lookout for the attack Who's trying to attack? Who gonna say, they gonna say this. They gonna say, uh. there's energy you're expending and wasting because you're constantly, you're constantly doing this right here, just trying to protect yourself. It's a lot different when you're able to show up squarely. This is who I am. I own who I am. Nothing about who I am makes me less than any other individual and actually everything about who I am is what brings and adds value to the role that I'm playing today. That is powerful. Mm -hmm. That is when you start thriving because now you have more energy available to you to pour into effectively and efficiently getting things done. There's no second guessing. There's no, 
um, overthinking. There's no paralysis by analysis. You, you're, you're in flow state. Nine out of 10 people are not flowing. And that's regardless of your ethnicity or cultural background. We all think that the other person cares about us. Nobody cares about you more than they care about themselves. So it's like, okay, great. If, when you understand that nobody's really watching you and if they are, give them something to truly watch. And that is you operating at the top of your capabilities. Mm. You focus there, you're good as gold. See, I, I see focusing at the top of your capabilities as walking your purpose. Yes. So how do you, how, how did you find your purpose to begin with? And, and how do you um, coach your clients to walk in their purpose if they're not finding their purpose or if they don't know what their purpose is? Absolutely. So, you know, purpose, um, mm, it's quite interesting. You know, there was a whole book and series and courses and this one gentleman made millions and millions of dollars off of helping people identify what their purpose is. And I think that um, purpose can change sometimes based on life experiences. So it's about being open to, you know, what you are called to do in this moment. Right. Um, but overall life purpose, I truly believe is guided by what we value. And once you understand what your personal values are, it's going to be very difficult for you not to walk and operate in purpose. Some people think that purpose is just like this huge monumental eventful thing. No, you can live and operate in your purpose one person at a time. It doesn't always have to be this, you know, huge event that we tried to make it, you know, seem like it is. Start with your values. Once you identify your values, it opens you up to what your natural gifts, talents, and abilities are. And then it is on you to identify how you want to express those. And through coaching and some really, you know, again, serious questions, um, challenging questions, you can identify that. What is your purpose in the home? What is your purpose in the community? What is your purpose, you know, on the job? Are they different? If they're not, great. Then how are you living them out in each one of those places? How do you feel when you're not able to live out your purpose? Those are, you know, some of the questions that I work through with my clients. Gotcha. Man, they say scare money don't make no money. Hey! <laughs> Everybody wants to make money, right? Everybody wants to make money. It's the how-to. Yeah. How do you, how, let's just say you have a client. I mean, you've had a client before, probably. I mean, not all your clients have been, you know, people who actually, you know, go through all the steps that you probably produce. But tell us, you know, that one moment when you had a client where they really challenged you, you know what I mean? And you had to put the hammer down like, yo, listen, man, get your, just get her, bro. Like, come on. <laughs> you know, um, Huh. I don't think I've ever, I'll be frank with you. I don't think I've ever um, done that. I'll be, you know, cause like, I'm, I'm really clear with people up front. I don't work, you work. 
you this doesn't work if you don't work mm -hmm. so if you're not committed to the work if you're not open to being challenged then we're not going to work find someone else i'll be more than happy to you know so, so try to wrap my head around this i'm still trying to wrap my head around you do the work i don't work but yet <laughs> i have to pay you to tell me to do the work the work comes on you. You're the one that's going to make the change, right? You're not going to implement things that I, solutions that I come up with for you. That like that, that part doesn't always translate well, right? right. So you hired me to help you uncover and unearth all of the possibilities that exist for you. You've hired me to help you redefine what's possible for you. You've hired me to help you break through a glass ceiling that you keep hitting. You know that these, you know, the actions that you're taking are not working, right? So that's where I come into play. Then like, okay, well, let's get the flashlight. Let's unearth these things. Now, some may say, well, what makes you different from a therapist? Well, the difference between a coach and a therapist is the fact that as your coach, everything that we do together is about making you move forward. It's about progress, right? Very rarely will we talk about past experiences unless they have some kind of impact on helping you move forward. It's your therapist that's going to sit there and unpack your past experiences and all of those things that perhaps are bubbling to the surface for you right now. There's no impetus to um, truly, like there's no overarching goal. When you hire a coach, you got to go. Either you're trying to get a promotion, you're trying to get something off the ground, you're trying to lose weight. You got a big goal. And so that is what you and that coach are working towards. When you go to therapy, the goals are, I think are moving and shifting targets, right? Mm -hmm. But it's really about how do you get to a better place? How do you, what, if it's depression that you're dealing with, how do you address the, the symptoms of your depression and get to a place where you're um, experiencing harmony and balance? Gotcha. That, that can take many faces. When mm. you hire a coach, you're like, look, I want to get this X, Y, Z done. It's like, okay, great. Let's, let's chart the path. Who sets the time? Say it again. Who sets the timer? So say, I'll, I'll, so say I need it three months, right, to get a job. Mm -hmm. Let's just say, yeah, I set a time at three months. Do I set that time or do you set the time for me? So, you know, that's a beautiful question. There are some folks that have very set packages. Mm -hmm. um, I think a very astute coach will really take their time to understand what that specific client's needs are and then make that recommendation that they both agree on in terms of what sounds right for the goals that they're looking to achieve gotcha um what is your why Ooh, my why is exactly what i experienced i know what it feels like to survive and not thrive i know what it feels like to show up with half of yourself or a fraction of yourself i also know what it feels like to show up in the fullness of who you are and what that really brings for you. And I've identified how to do or how to get more with doing less. And that is why I show up to coach because I wanna help other people achieve those very things. And especially people that look like me. It's like, you don't have to kill yourself to get this thing that, uh, that you really and truly desire.
Yeah. They say don't work hard, work smart. That's it. <laughs> when you're not coaching, when you're not um, taking care of your your puppies and all that, what do you do? <laughs> well, I have this new um, passion and it's called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. My class uh, is going to be starting this evening pretty soon and I'm really excited about it. I um, am currently in the fundamentals class and it's been exhilarating because it's a sport where you're not kicking people. Um, the goal here is not to um, truly injure somebody, but it's to get them to submit. So it's a mental, um, it's a mental sport. And mm -hmm. I love exercising my mind because it's like, it's like working a puzzle. What move do I need to make? What submission hold can I place this person in? that is going to one protect me but two get them to tap out right mm -hmm. um so i i'm it's been fun already i love it <laughs> i'll ask you why you picked that you know off air so okay okay <laughs> oh how can people connect with you how can people follow you how can oh my gosh yes what please I, follow me plug it in plug it in plug it in yeah so um on instagram i'm at ready set pivot. So really simple. My website is also the same ready, set, pivot.com. And, um, on LinkedIn, you can, um, search Dr. Margaret. I've got two profiles, one for coaching, one for my, you know, corporate gig, but I'll, I'll respond to either one that you, you connect with, but yeah, for sure. I'm very, very active on, um, on Instagram. I do a pivot of the week every Monday where I challenge um, all of the folks that tune in, including myself, to make a pivot, to do something a little different this week. And uh, it's those small things that really, really can add up to really big rewards. Yeah, I heard the lady. Pivot, pivot, man. It's all about pivoting, you know. That's stop, it. stop in the same place. You know, pivot, man. Wake up. Wake up from that couch. Do something. <laughs> man, she is a speaker, transformer coach, chief encouragement officer, and founder of the Pivot Consulting Group. We had the pleasure of talking to Mag Dr. Margaret Alabi. And um, you can also follow us, Stockman Podcast all social platforms, subscribe to our YouTube channel, SITM Podcast as well. Um, the blogs, SITMPodcast.com. If you want to write for us as well, you can write, send it to SITMPodcast237 at gmail.com and we'll probably publish that on our site. Um, if, you, if you enjoyed the show, like I said, hit that subscribe button. Why not? Why not? Why not? What are you waiting for? You know, why not? Just do it. We appreciate you. Now, I mean, if you're a returning listener, old listener, new one, appreciate you. Thank you for being with us. Dr. Alabi, thank you. And I hope, you know, you have a good one. I hope your business, you know, continue to just grow, grow, grow. Thank I'm going to try you. to keep pivoting as much as I can. Please, yes, yes. <laughs> Every time I feel like, you know, I'm listening to that. Um, you said everybody has something record. That, that negative sound. Yeah, that negative record. Every time I feel that, I got to come back and listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but this was Stuck Real Podcast, and we are out. <laughs>